amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Only thing I'm plugging is Forgotten Seasons. Welcome back to Forgotten Seasons. Jelani, you know, I know we love all of our guests and we mm-hmm. do a lot of these. It's always good chopping it up with, with a former player. But, you know, we love all of our guests. But sometimes when you're in the presence of a Hall of Famer, it just feels a little bit different. I would love it if you could kind of explain to our, our our fans and whoever's listening or watching, who do we have the pleasure and the privilege of speaking to today? Man, it would be my honor. We have another, none other than Mr. Utep Tusep himself, the original crossover uh, crossover man, a, a man of 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 the culture can't can't explain how much he meant to the two young basketball players coming up in the early 90s. Hall of Famer, one of my favorite point guards of all time, Tim Hardaway. Thank Welcome you. to the show. Thank Welcome you. to the show, Tim. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm, my pleasure. So today I want to gravitate towards the 1997 Heat because, you know, when we watch the NBA today, you see it on the Heat's jersey. It says Heat culture. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that that heat culture started with guys like you, guys like Pat Riley, guys like Alonzo Mourning. And that 1997 team was the the real boom of the Miami Heat. But before we get there, I think we got to kind of work backwards and, and understand how you got there and how that team formed. So where I want to start is 1989 when you enter the league. You're the 14th overall pick in the 1990 in the 1989 draft to the Warriors. And I think it's an interesting time in the league. We hear that bird and magic kind of quote unquote, saved the NBA in the eighties. And then uh, six French, six expansion franchises are created between 1988 and 1995. Uh, the heat, your future team were one of them, but to me, and I would love to hear what you think. It, it, it felt like in the eighties, there were still, you know, players flying on commercial flights and, <laughs> You know, maybe the money wasn't great and Bird and Magic really laid the groundwork. But it seemed like when you entered the league in the late 80s and into the 90s, the NBA really took off. Uh, Your first team run TMC became like a cultural movement beyond just the basketball court. It would be great if you could help us understand and, and maybe remember back to your earliest days in the NBA, like, what was the state of the league when you arrived? And, and did you feel kind of the growth of the game happening in front of your eyes as you got further along into your career? Well, you know, I'm going to tell you this. Don Nelson, um, he drafted me. And I was supposed to go to Indiana in a lottery. I was supposed to go to Boston in a lottery. I could have went to the Chicago Bulls, but they picked B.J. Armstrong. Um, um, but, you know, I, I, I would say this. When I came into the NBA, it was very humbling. You know, mm-hmm. um, you think it was something else. You thought it, you know, uh, it was all glorified and everything. Mm-hmm. But it was totally different when you got there. Uh, some teams, some players had to wash their own uniforms. Uh, uh, you're taking commercial flights. you waking up at 4 in the morning 
um, taking a 6 a.m. commercial flight out, um, you know, we wasn't fortunate like the L.A. Lakers. They took, yeah. uh, uh, it was back then, MGM. They took uh, MGM on flights, uh, say, like cross-country or back-to-backs. But if it was in your, your area, you was taking commercial flight. If they was going to Golden State, they taking commercial flight. If they was going to Sacramento, they was taking commercial flight. If they was going to Phoenix, they was taking commercial flights, except on back-to-backs. So it was very humbling. Um, you know, a lot of guys, it wasn't about the money, man. It was about the mm-hmm. prestige of playing in the NBA. You know, taking commercial flights early in the morning at 6 a.m. And sometimes, sometimes that commercial flight might be canceled. So you mm. had to wait later on in the day, and then you had to play that night. Is this when somebody next to you was like smoking a cigarette too, or were we past that? <laughs> PSA, that's PSA. It's like PSA Airlines. We it's close, Dylan. You, you, no, I know you know, no, but back, it's close. No, back then, <laughs> no, back then people were smoking cigarettes mm-hmm. in, in, on the airline. No question, you right about that. I forgot about that back then. It was mm-hmm. all right. They had ashtrays. Right in the little thing yeah, right there, right right there. On the armrest. Yes, an armrest. So, yeah, you know, you, you, know, you might have been smoking uh, sitting next to a smoker. So, yeah, it was, it was very humbling. And, um, you know, a lot of players that, um, you know, actually played in the NBA, you know, worked on their craft each and every day. They, mm-hmm. It was professionalism back then. And, um, oh, you, and another thing, back then, if you got hurt, you was on the IR for five games. If you came back, if you was able to come back within those five games, you still had to sit out for five games, no mm, matter what. I forgot about that. You're right. No You're what. absolutely so, right. So, yep. when you, so, so, so if I got an ankle sprain and I was out for five games, but I come, I could come back game three. Can't do it. You can't do it. You out. Mm. You done. Yeah, well, uh, you speaking of um, hum, hum, humility and humbling people uh, working on their game. You're coming into Oakland, California, in 19, you know, late 89. 80s, early yeah. 90s. What for you? From you are a shy town representer. You're no stranger to the inner city, no. and I kind of feel like that's what you brought into the NBA before Allen Iverson. We'll get into that later. But what is the Oak? What is Oakland, California, like when you arrive there? From UTEP, you go from Chicago to UTEP. You know what I mean. And now that now now you end up in Oakland, your rookie year. Can you give us like just a couple, you know, just a little bit of insight on what Oakland, California was like in 1989, early 90s? Yeah. Oakland, California is like Chicago, Illinois. Drugs, gangs, um, um, you know, people just out there walking around at times like zombies. Um, you know. Um, um, street hustlers, you know, mm-hmm. it was just like Chicago. Um, so I knew how to take care of myself in, in Oakland. I knew, you know, you, you, you could, you could tell off the rip who was who, who didn't want you to want to hang out with, who was bad, who wasn't bad. Oh, he got all the girls, he got all the ladies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, he knows that. Just, just stuff. It was, it was simpler. How um, to move around. Yeah. I knew how to move around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I got there, I, I was already playing against pros when I was in college. When I went back home during the summer, I'm playing against or with Ricky Green, against Maurice Cheeks, Doc Rivers, mm-hmm. Isaiah mm-hmm. Thomas, Michael Jordan, Terry Cummins, mm-hmm. Craig Hodges. You know, we had guys, you know, with, with, with uh, we had pros that didn't make the pros. 
but knew how to play like pros. You know what I'm saying? And and and, and in Chicago, they just took we we when you when you walk out there on that court, you know, it was all business. It was like, look, either I'm gonna bust your ass or you gonna bust my ass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, either you you know or you, we gonna go at it, uh, or you just gonna it's not your day. Whatever it is, you know. But you had when you laced them shoes up and you got on that 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 rectangle court or that that court you got to bring your shit or you get embarrassed each and every day and um that's what i brought to uh oakland you know oakland was known for their toughness the guy the people there in oakland know basketball they go all the way back to rick barry al addles mm-hmm. and those type of guys they know they basketball you know will will the still chamberlain they know they basketball Okay. Even Bill Russell was there yeah, in San Francisco. Yeah, he San played in San Francisco. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. yeah. So they, they very know well basketball. know. Yeah. So yeah. there wasn't if you if you not out there playing your best, you're gonna get booed. And they know hmm. um they knew who wasn't giving they all and they'll boo you. They and they and they we were sold out even though we wasn't good my first year. We sold out because they loved the game of basketball. But when we started winning, we were selling out, and it was tickets all over the place, and and and, and um, you know, it, it it was a great atmosphere, like it is now, with mm-hmm. the Golden State Warriors, or when they was winning championships. Oh my God, that was one of the best atmosphere that you could ever be in. Well, it kind of happens quickly, right? So you said your first year you weren't that good, but this run TMC thing happens very quickly. And by year two, uh, you're upsetting the Spurs in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, you're playing the Lakers in the second round of the playoffs. And we're going to touch on kind of the back end of how that fell apart pretty quickly. But what is that like? I mean, it seems like in the flash of the eye, you know, you're not only in the NBA, but you're part of this like pop culture uh, national movement that transcends Mm -hmm. basketball. And Jelani and I were talking before this, like, I don't think, I think this was kind of a first of its time thing. You didn't really see like the music, the hip hop music (laughs) enter the NBA until run TMC mm. and you're right smack dab in the middle of it as the starting point guard. Like just what is that like? Cause it, it happens. It seemed like it happened pretty much like overnight. First of all, that was a big mistake. We had run. Really? DMC. We had run. No, I'm talking about, we had run DMC mm-hmm. come out and announce us in front of the Los Angeles Lakers in Ooh. front of magic Johnson. Okay. In the play and then in, 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 in the 90, in, in the 91, 91 playoffs, 91 playoffs. So, as you know, and then we had, you know, they had all the movie stars. We had all the rappers come, mm-hmm. you know, E-40, uh, uh, MC Hammer. Uh, short. Too short, of course. <laughs> SWV. Yeah. We had all the, mm-hmm. in Vogue. We had mm-hmm. all those people come in. And when Run DMC announced us, I kind of looked over there and peeked over there to what Magic was doing. And he had his... T- his guys in a huddle. I mean, a deep huddle. And I, I could imagine, but what, what I guess he told me is like, they making a mockery out of this. They not mm-hmm. serious about it. Man, he came out there and started whipping that ball around, and they started running up and down the court, throwing no look fast. <laughs> you saw James Worthy dunking and Byron Scott making shots and Divock rebounding, bringing up past the Magic Mag throwing back. Man, it was, it was a clinic. It was a clinic, and um, right then and there, we knew it was a big mistake to have that happen in front of Lakers. If we did it in front of San Antonio, we would have been cool. But the Lakers, mm. Magic had it, that <laughs> mindset. 
this is some BS. They're not going to be doing us like this and thinking that they're going to win. But yeah, the hip-hop culture was, I mean, it was booming back then. And I mean, we had, you know, in Oakland, they had some live rappers and, and singers and and we seen them all the time, you know, not not only at our games, at the A's games, at mm. the Raiders games, when the Raiders was there, or even San Francisco 49ers games. So it was live then, and, um, you know, it was a perfect setup for us. The Bay is cracking at this time. I was oh, born in cracking. Oakland. I moved to San Diego in the fourth grade. I'm thinking you just hit it on the head. The A's are cracking. They winning championships. San Francisco's cracking, winning Both championships. Teams. Both teams. Both teams. Yeah, you know what I mean? The Raiders are doing the Raider thing. Yep. So it was it was a championship city, Tim. Yes, yes. They weren't playing. There was like, it was like a title or nothing. And yep. then I feel like y'all came in with that new culture, yep. new energy. As like Dylan said, I, I was talking about like when I was growing up in Oakland, it was like, you know, Michael Jordan was listening to the Commodores and Earth, Wind and Fire. When Tim got into the league, you know, we started seeing Too Short. We started right. seeing rappers. We started yeah. seeing De La Soul. Yeah. The music, the, the, the Nike commercials, another thing we'll get a hold to. But even as far as like inside the NBA and Ahmad right. Rashad, right. he was leaning into hip hop right. and the, the, the music in and out of the commercials, yeah. the hip hop. And then it was like, Run TMC. Exactly. And then in the part of Run TMC, there was, you know, Mitch, the rock, he was nice. Yeah. There was obviously Muddy, but you were like the clutch. You know what I mean? Because you not only the skill set and the you know, point guard, but you just brought a different set of 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 just vibe coming from Chicago. Right. You know what I mean? So that's confidence. what I saw on the outside. Confident. There it is. There it's it is. confidence. You know, I, I, there it is. You know, I, I, I brought team confidence you know when somebody you know chris and mitch uh they didn't talk a lot you know but i wasn't gonna let another team get hyped in front of us or start talking to us and chipping us no 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 yo man we're not we're not taking that yo molly let's go man let's go mm -hmm. let's go 40 on him he cannot stick you mitch take him down low and bang him you the rock let's do it and that's mm -hmm. what i brought to the team i brought some some liveness to the team. I brought some flavor to the team. I brought some confidence to the team. And they, and they just it, they just went with it. When somebody started talking stuff, then I started and my team just started right behind me like, "Okay, we're going to take we going to come right behind you and take take your lead and you just take us to that next level." And that's what I did. Once we right. I came in you know, I had the crossover, a little flavor here, a little flavor there. You get the you get the crowd in it. Sometimes we had we had the visiting crowd on our side too. They wanted to come see mm -hmm. us too. They heard mm -hmm. about Ron TMC. Hey, let's see what they got. We every time mm. we stepped out on that floor, we put on the show and we had fun doing it. We had great teammates. You know, Tom Tobin, Jim Peterson, Judd Bushler. You know, we mm. had great teammates, man. That, that 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 uh uh you know that that followed our lead and, and and had fun with us. So it happened. The the birth of Run TMC happens in the blink of an eye, and then it seems like you know it it went the other way just as quickly. So you you mentioned that Lakers series, you lose in in round two. That's fine. They decide to trade Mitch Richmond the following year or at that off season. The story goes that Don Nelson said he felt pressure from ownership or, or management to maybe go bigger. So they bring in Billy Owens. You guys have another really good season right after that. Uh, but then but then after that, it starts to go downhill. You hurt your knee 
the team drafts Chris Weber and gets him number one overall. So now you have uh, Chris Weber, Latrell Sprewell, Chris Mullen, and Tim Hardaway. But the problem is that Tim Hardaway busted his knee. And back, you know, busting your knee in the early 90s is a lot mm-hmm. different than busting your knee now. Slower process, worse technology. But I, I wanted to ask you, you know, 1993, 1994, you're, you're out for the season, you hurt your knee, and you're watching this new guy, Chris Weber, probably one of the most ready-made rookies that entered the league in, in some time at that point. Um, and just two years before, you know, you were the guy and the city was on fire, Run TMC was all over the news, all over the TV, and now you're sort of like sitting from the sidelines watching Chris Weber and you know, I, I think it's probably complex because I would think that it's frustrating. Like, imagine if you were on the floor for that season, how far the team could have gone. But, you know, I would think that mentally it, it, it isn't the best situation to be the guy. And then two years later, you got to watch your team, you know, play really well without you out there. I mean, it, it, it's it's complex, but I would love to hear just what that time was like for you. Because, like I said, blink of an eye, run TMC is born, blink of an eye. Uh, it's gone and you're on the sideline, you're out for a whole year. What was that like? Don Nelson finally came out and said that he made a mistake by trading uh, Mitch Richmond. He mm. did. He did. Mm. And um, um, he did. Um, that was the beginning to the end of run TMC and the Golden State Warriors mm. at that particular mm. time in that era. You, 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 you have a core there and you fit around your core. All right. You fit around that core. You get some some pieces. And I'm going to tell you this. Alton Lister came there, and he was going to be our center. But he tore his ACA, not his ACA, he tore his Achilles that year. When we started to roll, he came there the 90-91 season. He tore mm-hmm. his Achilles. And he never was the same. Like a, a defensive stopper, putting the ball in a basket, you know, mm-hmm. turn around, jump shooter. That changed his whole game. So when, when we... When we got Billy Owens, you know, um, a lot of people wasn't feeling Billy Owens. Why not? Like, because I played with B.O. Was I, it was it is it, it was his personality or his game? No, it, it wasn't a, nothing about his game, nothing about his personality. It was. We had our set core, and our set core was Tim Hardaway, Mitch Richmond, and Chris Mullen. You know, it should be. And, and it was and, and it was successful it too. Was, like yeah. it was going well. Yeah. And, and we yep. was only thing you had to do was put pieces around us, and mm-hmm. we would have made it work. We, if we had a center, because we's always short. If we had mm-hmm. a center, who knows what we could have done with the Lakers? Well, what about what about Chris Weber? I know a big man. Well, no, no, no. I'm gonna say this: if we if we if we never would have traded Mitch, we never would have been in the Chris Weber yep. sweepstakes. Sweepstakes. So. Right. So after that happened, we get to uh, get to uh, Chris Weber's sweet sweepstakes, and Chris Weber, uh, uh, we 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 traded Penny Hardaway because we drafted Penny Hardaway. We traded from Swift Swap for them, and we get Chris Weber. He was trying to get his contract together. The first day of practice, they signed. He gets his contract all worked out. That's the first huge day. contract. Huge contract. What was it like a seven year? Monumental. It was back. It was yeah. back. It started the whole CBA right. thing but, but, where they said y'all making was, too much money. No, no. You know who did that? That was Big Dog in yeah. Milwaukee. Yeah. Facts. That, Facts. He got a hundred million. He got a hundred million. True. Yeah. Right. So that's right what happened. Yep. So no, we was um, so we signed him. I go down with the ACL. If I was around, 
him, 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 and him and Don Nelson bumped heads. They was mm. bumping, and I was never around because I was trying to get myself together. And Nelly was like, and Chris Mullen was like, "Yo, you need to start coming around." Chris Weber, he'll probably listen to you. But at that particular time, it was too late. Chris Weber mm. was like, "Look, I'm not gonna be listening to him. I'm just gonna do my own thing." But what, but what Don Nelson was trying to help Chris Weber realize is that you could be that type of ball player right now that you was in Sacramento. You can handle the ball. You can be point forward. You can start the offense. We could hit you at the elbow. You could pass. We want to use your strengths. Mm-hmm. And that's what Nelly saw. He saw his strengths as a rookie. He didn't like that. He wanted to get the ball down low, bag people in, and do other things. But Don mm-hmm. Nelson saw his strengths, what he could do, like he was doing in Sacramento mm-hmm. early. So they was bumping heads and everything. But if I was there, I would I, I could have settled uh, Chris Webber and made him understand, look, this is how we want you to play. This is how we need for you to play if all of us is going to be successful. you know. Mm-hmm. And just like they did in Sacramento with Jason Williams with, uh, uh, and they whole crew. Pasia, Pasia the, the, Christy, the whole thing. You yeah. know, uh, Vladi Divac. You know, just playing. We could have played that same style his rookie year if I wasn't hurt. But I was hurt, and they bumped heads. And then we, uh, and then that's when Nelly uh, 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 got let go. And then um, mm-hmm. we traded Chris Weber somewhere to Washington. And, mm-hmm. and then that's when everything. But we we had Chris Gallen, we had Victor Alexander. We st- we still had a good crew. But our, our nucleus wasn't together again. How about Latrell Sprewell? What, oh. what was that component of it like? Latrell Sprewell came in, um, needed to needed to work on his ball handling skills. He could shoot the ball a little bit. Uh, need to work on that. But you know, mm-hmm. he, he, each and every year, we knew he could play defense. He was always in the pass lane, always quick, Alabama type of player, play defense in a pass lane. But he worked on his game. And, and each year he came back, you saw a different Latrell Sprewell. Mm-hmm. You saw a stronger Latrell Sprewell. Mm-hmm. You saw a more confident Latrell Sprewell. You saw mm-hmm. a Sprewell that, that his jump shot, he was very sure of his jump shot. And each, a spree that would go left sometimes. Yeah, sometimes a spree that would go mm-hmm. left sometimes. He'd sometimes. Catch mm-hmm. And go left. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, you just saw his game started to flourish. And that really helped uh, – his game and our game, and uh, but you know we still need the pieces around us, and and, and it never happened. So uh, uh, it was tough, and um, I you know I, I, you know I know you want to ask me a question, but I'm gonna get into it. I saw a chance to go to Miami Heat ninety five mm-hmm. ninety six that when a trade. Right before the '95 trade deadline, deadline in February, I had a chance. I told, I told Alonzo Mourning when we played him in, in Miami, "Yo, mm-hmm. man," I said, "Look, I get y'all to the playoffs." Mm-hmm. Then they came to Oakland, and I said, "Look, man, I tell them to trade for me. I get you to the playoffs." I knew what I could do. Okay, I was coming off the bench at the particular time. Um, the team was going a different way. Uh, um, a lot of people thought I was finished, and I had. When I, I was, was going to say that. I, I, I remember I was that. Say that. 
because Adelman comes in and you're coming off the bench and it, it's crazy. I mean, and you're, are you hearing all of that? I mean, of Tim course. Hardaway's best days are behind him. Of course. Of course. You hear it. You hear it. You hear it. You, you say you don't hear it. Yeah, you hear it. You read it. And it's all, all over the place. But I knew that I believed in myself. I knew what I could do. The only thing I had to do was go to a different team. You know, just like, you know, I'm just going to say, you know, uh, Clay Thompson, if, you know, you might have a different need to get different scenery. You know, yeah, it helps. It helps. And I needed different scenery. And, you know, they said that I, you know, Pat Riley uh helped me with my career. I think we helped each other with our, our careers. I because his was if he didn't make the playoffs in Miami that particular year, it was going to be doubters. So let's let's Perfect. Good you say that because I want to mm-hmm. set up the the beginning of Pat Riley's Heat tenure. Uh, it's going to come back to this Knicks Heat rivalry that we'll talk about a little bit later. But we have to understand, right? So the Heat are an expansion team. They joined the league in in the late '80s, mm-hmm. and for the first six or seven years of, of their existence, they they weren't any good. Mm-hmm. They they squeaked into the playoffs a couple times. And Mickey Arison, who owns the Heat right now, he buys the team in 1995. So the year before you get there and he makes it pretty clear early that he wants to run the show differently. He's the founder of the carnival cruise line. He's going to start spending money. And where does he start? He looks at Pat Riley. He says, I, I need a, I need a guy to run the team. Pat Riley's still with the Knicks. Uh, he's trying to figure out his extension there. Pat Riley's asking for things like ownership of the team, a uh, 10 year deal. And the Knicks owner at the time says, you know, we, we, we like what you've done here. You've turned around the franchise, but not going to give you ownership. So what does Pat Riley do? He gets connected to Mickey Arison and he's, he lays out those same set of demands. And Pat Riley asks for 10% ownership of the heat. Now, another 10% of ownership paid out over time. He asked for $50 million. He asked the heat to buy out his homes in New York and LA. Uh, he asked for a limo service for games. He asks for a $300 per diem. And one thing that I can't find the answer to Tim Hardaway, and I don't know if this is Five. Heat culture, if this is if this is heat culture, uh, G fourteen classification. If you're sworn, but I mean the story is that Pat Riley got twenty percent of the heat when he joined the team in nineteen ninety five. Uh, the Heat today are, are worth four billion dollars. We know that Pat Riley is one of the greatest coaches of all time. We know that he's one of the best basketball minds of all time. But does Pat Riley also own twenty percent of the Heat and maybe be sitting on four to five hundred million dollars right now? Don't know about that. But I wouldn't put it past him, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't know specifically, but I wouldn't put it past him. Great business mind, not only a great business mind, great basketball mind on coaching side and GM and president side. But yeah, mm-hmm. let, let me let me let me get to that. So, Mickey Arison, first of all, his dad owned the team. Okay, a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know that his dad owned the team. Okay, he had the biggest piece of the team. Mickey Arison came in and bought out everybody else. So including his dad or so, no, but his dad no, stayed? No, no, no. It, it was him and his dad's team. Okay, so it's Mickey and his dad's team. So mm-hmm. he comes in, his dad is older. His dad said, You take over it. I don't care what you do, just go ahead and take over it. He goes in there and he goes and he tells uh general not general management, the owners. Some of the owners that had 2% here, 5% here. So if you 
put in a million dollars. I'm going to give you $4 million. Bye-bye. That's it. Don't come back to me. That's all. So that's what he did with everybody. It was about 10 of them. And he went to each of them and gave them more money than what they deserved. But this is it. You can't, no mm-hmm. tickets, no, mm-hmm. nothing. You have nothing to do with the Miami Heat ever again. Mm-hmm. And they understood that. Okay. Um, he went to Pat. And Pat probably made all those offers, but he didn't get $300 a day. He got $500 a day uh, per mm-hmm. day. All right. <laughs> so, so he went, you know, his demands was his demand. But you know what? You got to believe in somebody. You know, as an owner, you have to believe in somebody. You know, just like Robert Kraft, he believed in Belichick. Mm-hmm. And for 24 years, he ran a Class A organization, mm-hmm. just like Pat Rowley is doing now. So um, he made the right investment. He made the mm-hmm. right investment. Pat Rowley, you know, you always going to make some deals here, deals there that's not going to pan out. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, it did pan out. Him trading for me, Walt Williams, uh, Corbin, uh, uh, I, uh, my man—I forget my man's name. He, uh, come, he, yeah, uh, uh, Chris Gatlin. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the right trade at that particular time. And we was when we got there, we had to make up fifteen to seventeen games just to get in the playoffs. Mm. Yep. You know, and and it was guys that came there that believed in themselves and they needed another scenery. You Mm -hmm. know, all of us needed another scenery. We Mm -hmm. got to another scenery and we went and played basketball. We didn't care about practice. We just wanted to play basketball and be relevant again. How were the practices though, Tim? You know, know, but if you're, let me tell you this, if you're a basketball player, I mean, you just go in there and practice. Yeah. It is what it is. Facts. It is what it is. Facts. You know? What you come here for. Right. What you come here for. I asked Pat Riley, I said, why we practice for two and a half hours? He said, how long is the game? I said, okay. I didn't didn't say nothing else. (laughs) I didn't didn't say nothing else. But you know what? Um, Sometimes we did need to practice. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes he could have took it, you know, easy on us in practice. Uh, but I see why we practice because last two minutes, last three minutes of the basketball game, no we had man. we had more gas when mm. everybody was on empty. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't trade none of that all that experience in Miami. I wouldn't trade that for the world. Um, I had a great time. Pat Riley is great mind. Um, he understands basketball inside and out. He taught. Um, Eric Spolstra that had a, just got mm-hmm. a great deal. God bless him. He he worked hard for it. And he's he deserved all that money that he's getting right now. He was my film guy. I was about to ask, was he in the film room <laughs> when you were he there? Yeah, film guy. I used to go down there and visit him and um, uh, my man. Um, they used to be his his, his running mate. Uh, I forget his name was on my mind, but but yeah, they was in a film. Fisdale? Yeah, Fisdale. They used to be in a dungeon, yep. and I used to be down there, and I just go down there and talk to him. Man, it was a room. It it wasn't no bigger than your closet. It they just told me about all that. Just 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 TVs, and it was hot as hell in there. <laughs> hot as hell. It's, and I'm telling you, man, I just walk. I we just have to open the door so I could just stand there and talk to him, 
so I wouldn't get hot and sweaty in there. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, um, that you know, he learned from Pat. And he understood that it was going to be a change. Eric Spolster did, and he he went on the bench, groomed D Wade to where D Wade is now, a Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And that was because of Eric Spolster. Mm-hmm. It's a chain. I mean, it starts with Riley, then it goes to Spolstra, then it goes to Wade, and now it goes to Jimmy Butler. Yes. But let me let me tell you this. Getting back to the Heat culture, all right? Everybody think Heat culture started with Udonis Haslam. Love Udonis Haslam. Love D-Wade and all that. The culture... Heat culture started in 1995, 96 when tell we it. got there. All right. It tell started it. with one guy. And I tell you this, it wasn't Alonzo Mourning. It wasn't oh, Tim oh. Hardaway. It was Keith Askins. Keith Askins. Keith, a lot of people don't know. Keith Askins was one of the guys that got drafted when they first built the team. All right. And Pat Riley liked how he goes about his business at practice every day. It's his type of culture. All right. Everybody think it's Alonzo Mourning. No. Everybody think it's Tim Hardaway, PJ Brown. No. It's Keith Askins. Mm-hmm. And I say that all day long. And I'm gonna tell you this. What he what he brought to that team, um, his tutelage. His professionalism, um, each and every day, his jersey should be in the rafters mm. because mm-hmm. he's been there since day one. One and, is, and is he still with the is, is he still with the team with today? The team today. Come with the bow tie, yes. you know. You see him in a little bow tie yes. and yes. the glasses. He's, still he's been with there, the team yeah. And um, he doesn't get enough credit. He doesn't get call. enough say. But mm. it started with him. How he carried. Mm on each and every day, practice hard each and every day, talk to us, say, hey, man, you know, we're not going hard enough. We're not doing what we need to do to be a championship team, so we need to practice a little bit harder. He was a, he was a small voice, but his voice carried. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. heat culture is, is Keith Askins. And then if, you know, Zoe, myself, and me and PJ, and it goes down. But it started in 95, 96 mm-hmm. with, with him. And then everybody else fell in line. Everybody else fell in line. So we got to get into the 1997 season. So you mentioned you get traded there 95-96. You guys are like four or five games under 500. You end up plus two in the win column. You make the playoffs in Pat Riley's first year. Then that summer, it's I think Pat Riley releases like half the team. <laughs> and it seems like he, he pretty much starts from scratch. He gets guys like P.J. Brown. He gets guys like Bruce Bowen, Dan Marley. I and 1996... You know, Sean Leonard, we, we, then we traded for, uh, uh, Mashburn, um, you know, I mean, it it goes on and on and on. We had pieces. You talked about it earlier, getting pieces around your core group. Now you, now you get an opportunity. It feels like to get some pieces around you. You got your core group, a new identity down there in Miami with a, with a nucleus who seems like. They want to just be about hard work. That's Keith it. asking sounds like he don't want, he tired of losing. Exactly. You know what I mean? But he shows up every day. He yes. knows he got some pieces. Yes. And then Pat's mastermind is putting the pieces around the core thing, which leads to 
success at the end of the day from what I remember. 60, as a, yeah. 61 wins, mm-hmm. uh, by far the best season in Heat history at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, we, we, we talk about – I mean, it's no secret that a lot of teams just fell victim to the Chicago Bulls of the world in the 90s, the, the Celtics in the 80s, the Lakers in the 80s. But, I mean, this roster was stacked. You mentioned a guy like Jamal Mashburn. I would love to start there because you're already rolling. I think you're – by the time you trade for him, you're, what, like 40 and 15 yes. – uh, amazing team. And so I want to talk about Jamal Mashburn. He gets added to the team at the trade deadline of the 1997 season. And we talk about Jamal Mashburn a lot. Hell of a player. I love hearing about his game because I think he's kind of a universally underrated player. He is. But we mm-hmm. we talked to to Steven Jackson the, uh, the other week, and, and he said Jamal Mashburn was a guy that retired early because he knew that his success – uh, in the NBA was just the beginning. Today, he's definitely one of the best entrepreneurs, yes. businessmen, former athletes out there. Uh, what was Jamal Mashburn like as a player? And at that time, did you know that this guy was already kind of like surveying the field and thinking about who he was going to be after basketball? Um, yes, we did. Um, mm. You can hear him talk about stuff um, in a paper, you know, in magazines. You can hear him saying, you know, being on L and watching all these businessmen and um, um, all these entrepreneurs on the, on the L where he used to go to school at, how he mm-hmm. he, he um, wanted to, whenever he gets into the NBA, because he knew he was going to the NBA. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's nice. Right. Whenever he, he gets not, yeah. whenever he gets in the NBA, this is what he wanted to do and how he wanted to do it. So, you know, you, you knew that he was doing stuff. When he came to us, he had a car dealership um, in Kentucky, you know, and, and yeah. Getting it. Yeah, he was getting it then. So mm-hmm. so we knew about um, um, his um, off-the-court uh, uh, expertise in business. and uh, But on the court, you know, he, um, he came in, he worked hard, he did what he's supposed to do. Um, at one particular time, uh, we put him in a peculiar um, situation where I was hurt and another point guard was hurt and he had to play point guard. Uh, and, I remember, yeah. um, that was kind of tough on him. That took away, uh, away from his game a lot. But he went out there and he did what he's supposed to do, brought the ball up, it, like a Scottie Pippen would do. But at that, mm. you know, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to catch on the wing, do his thing. And, and, and But, you know, you we had Zoe. We had myself. We had, we had uh, different type of offenses. That mm-hmm. you know that wouldn't let him um, um, get his all yeah, that, on. That thing got to go in there in, right. in the nineties, Tim. Right. At least right. need to go in there one time, <laughs> right. and then they'll kick it right. out, and right. then you do he, what he, you need he, to. But he, he was a, a guy that you had to go to him multiple times and let mm-hmm. him do his ISO and let him do his thing and get in the rhythm. Get in the rhythm. That wasn't Pat Rowley. <laughs> that, 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 that wasn't that route, you know. Right. But 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 what he did for us was great, and, and, and um um you know, and I commend him. And when he went to Charlotte, you you could tell that he went to the All Star game. You know, he was he mm-hmm. was their guy. He went, you know, he was doing his thing, and he was unstoppable. And then we played him in the playoffs. We couldn't stop him. You know, we couldn't. Maybe stop some him. of that. Maybe some of that what development that he had with you guys led to the success that he had in Charlotte because now he's more comfortable handling the ball. You know what he I mean? Bringing it that. up. He always had that. He did he's since a, Kentucky no, no, was frying. No, he was one of my favorite players of all time, we, so I, we, I agree. We just didn't do him right. That's all. Right. You know, we, we, we didn't – we with his skill set, 
what mm-hmm. he was doing in Dallas and mm-hmm. in Charlotte. He mm-hmm. wasn't able to do there because that wasn't going to be what Pat Riley wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, it's movement, moving out the ball, coming around screens, setting screens, coming off this. No, he wanted to get it, jab, step, you you know, take his time and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, at mm-hmm. times we did it, but, you know, you could tell that that wasn't Pat's forte. So Yeah, you got to come down off this floppy. We're going to let you go and do that, but you're going to come off this floppy and this cross screen, and then you can get to that jab series you want to do. Right. right. That's what's going to happen with Riles. That's that's why we had to get – that's how come I had to get it down the court fast because Mm. that takes a few minutes. It does. (laughs) It takes seconds off the 24-second shot clock. But, you know, but, um, you know, Sean Leonard, you know, and and Dan Marley, you know, Mm. our team – was built to win a championship. But when we played against the Knicks, it was personal because the whole city. Before we get to the Knicks, because that that deserves a, a pause before that, you play the Magic in the first round, Ooh. and there's a guy that shares your last name. Uh, this was probably one of the last years before, unfortunately, injuries yeah. started to hamper him. Ooh. Shaq mm-hmm. is gone. He's probably able to do whatever he wants. And... I'm sure for you as what a six one guard, you might be looking around like there's guys now like him that are, are playing my position and can do some of the things that I can do, but they have very to be athletic. Six foot six and very athletic. Uh yeah, just talk to us about Penny Hardaway um, and what um, you remember from that series. So we let um when he traded Mitch Richmond, mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, we get Penny Hardaway. I'm looking at Penny at Memphis. I'm like, damn, okay. He cold. We gonna, <laughs> he be, cold. Ooh, we gonna be rolling. We gonna mm-hmm. be rolling. I can throw the mm-hmm. M and let him do all this shit and all this and all that. Oh, man. And then, yeah, yeah. And then he said, no, we gonna trade and get uh, Chris Webb. I was like, okay, that's cool, too. You know, I'm not, I mean, mm-hmm. that's not bad either. You know, so we, gonna, we gonna be rolling in. But yeah, we get, we played them in the first round, Miami Heat and Orlando. So we go up, uh, what, 2-0. And mm-hmm. uh, not was it two oh yeah two oh then we go up there we win game three man I don't know what happened Mm-mm. I don't know what happened but oh my god he turned into another person and we couldn't stop him he was making mm. everything I mean turn around jump shots uh, step backs. The quarter turn step uh, back, yeah, the, the cor- inside yeah, with yeah, the funny uh, with the funny style yeah, inside yeah, turn, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I don't know what happened, but um, yeah, we couldn't stop him. And, and fortunately, fortunately, game five, uh, we won. You know that mm-hmm. that 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 you know because that, that was first round, best three out of five. So yeah, we won the first two, and then they won the first next two. But yeah, we uh, uh fortunately we won game five and went to that next uh series but uh man i'm gonna tell you this i'm happy for penny well deserved i he's going to get into the hall of fame uh this mm-hmm. year and uh uh if he did not get hurt oh mm-hmm. like he said it, 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 we'll be talking about him and michael getting mvps or who the scoring leader this and that because he was just that good Run TMC was a movement, but could you imagine if we had the Hardaway brothers Ooh. as well? We'd have been here for Ooh. it in the town. <laughs> We'd have been here for it. <laughs> yes. 
So the Knicks series, you started to talk about it, but I think it's important to understand that uh, that was Pat Riley's former team. The Knicks actually sued the Heat <laughs> for talking to Pat Riley while he was under contract. Uh, Mickey didn't this care. Was the Mickey first was like, thing. here, take that. <laughs> yeah, come on. Bring us, so the series starts 1-1. Uh, bring us into the plane ride and the bus ride to Madison Square Garden. Pat Riley's locker room speech. Going into game three, the series is knotted up one apiece. You're in New York. Like, there's a lot of animosity there. Uh, I don't think anyone probably could have imagined could have imagined like what that would have turned into four straight years playing each other in the playoffs. I don't even know how many fights, but it's hard to keep track of it because there were so many. But what do you remember just from that, like going into New York for game three, you're playing in the garden and, you know, your your coach uh, is seeing a lot of his old friends like paint that picture as best as you can for us. It's funny. I <laughs> I'm at Nike town. Okay. Mm. An employee just started going off on me. And my dad is with me. We just walking around Nike town. And my dad was like, yo, do you want me to get him right? I said, no, nah, dad, he's a fan. And this and that. We <laughs> he was like, uh, he getting on my motherfucking nerves. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, dad, let's keep walking. Man. Let's keep walking. My dad was like, we're going to have to talk. We gonna, either you going to say something or I'm going to say something. I was like, all right. So I got the manager. This dude was going off. F y'all. Y'all ain't shit. This and that. Bye-bye this. Bye-bye that. Man, y'all. And, and, and they had to escort him out of Nike town. And um, I'm like, wow, he is really serious about this series. <laughs> and it started there. Then we, you know, we get into the hotel, you hear grumblings, you know, you hear people looking at us, you know, like pointing at us and stuff like that. But yeah, we get to the garden. It's, ooh, ooh. Mm -hmm. You talking about an atmosphere that's mm -hmm. nasty. Oh my God. I didn't know things to be said to ballplayers mm -hmm. that they was talking, saying to us. Mm -hmm. You talking about guys, you know, you talking about guys, uh, them guys wouldn't be able the stuff we heard, the guys today couldn't take that. We just played Facts. through it. We just played through it. Right. Okay. But Pat Riley told us doing right before he said, "Man, this is gonna be crazy out here. This is like Gotham City. If y'all ever seen Batman, this is like Gotham City. This is the way it's gonna be. It's gonna be real nasty, grimy. You got to come out here and fight, 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 fight. Mm -hmm. That's the way it's going to be." You got to put, I mean, it's like, it's, it's going to be like a street fight. And that's the mm -hmm. way it was. That whole series was like a street fight because of Pat Rowley leaving. It didn't have nothing to do with us. It didn't have nothing to do with Alonzo, Keith Askins, Tim Hardaway, mm -hmm. PJ Brown, Ike Austin. None of us. Everything had to do with Pat Rowley and Mickey Harrison. But we took it. We went out there and played. We took his identity and went out there and played, and, and that's what we're supposed to do. I was going to mention that there's some legendary stories you hear about the league, about Riles and his pregame or postgame speeches, or if you have a comeback victory or you win games that you're not supposed to. I know he's been pretty intense. I've heard players tell me he dunked his head in a in a in a yeah, in a, in a do you, I was going to ask you, were you on that team when it, yeah. so, it was that was Phoenix. his thing? Like, it was in Phoenix. So the last breath, 
the till the last breath remark. Yeah. He didn't know the water was that cold. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, I love it. So it was ice water. And so he put his head in there. He came up. He gasped for air, but he kept going. He was a trooper. He kept going. He kept talking. But his face just got red. And he ended the speech or whatever and then went back to the to his uh the, the coach's room and I and and the trainer was right behind him. He was like, How you doing, Ron? He said, Yeah, he had to get himself together, but he all right now. <laughs> I love it though. Not too many coaches put themselves in a vulnerable position like that yeah. to motivate men, yeah. talking that warrior, Gotham City, we're gonna go out here and do that. Yeah. But if you now if I can't see that visually from you, yeah. it may, may may or may not hit. That's a 50-50. But if you're going through that, you're like, all right, I'm, I'm rolling now. Another one, it was a top on the ice thing. You know, the, the water, but the Gatorade, he didn't know it was ice and water. And, and he was real mad at us. And he picked it up and stumbled and threw it. He didn't know that it was water <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh, shit, oh, and he just threw it. We was like, are you all right? Even though he was mad at us, we was like, are you all right? You know, you got, yeah. you got to talk to some people before you do some stuff because you, mm-hmm. you, you're you not 12 or you're not 20. You, you, you know, you, you know, so, so, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, but, you know, getting up for games, uh, his uh, motivational speeches and everything, uh, I was different. You know, I was always, uh, I'm from Chicago. Ready. I'm already yeah, I'm, all, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm always ready. I ain't need no motivation, no speech. I want to go out mm-hmm. there and kick your ass. I want to go out there mm-hmm. and fuck you up. I want to get my teammates ready. But I will tell you this. With them speeches, it even got me more hyped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even like, I'm like, yeah, yo, let's go do this. You know, but, those speeches in an atmosphere yeah. like New York, walking into Madison Square Garden yeah. with the dude they hate the most of the time, and you already ready. I can't. I would, you know, I I didn't have Probably. the luxury. I wasn't a starter or a Hall of Famer, but I'd have been so geeked up. I'd have got two, three fouls like right away. Right. You know, See, what that's I mean? what you had to do. You had to you had to calm yourself down. You know, you had mm-hmm. to calm yourself down. You can't go in there. And you get two or three fouls on you, then you 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 messing up the chemistry of the team. We need you to go the, out there and do what you do. You know, you just can't go out there and just be gung-ho and just mess up everything. We need for you to calm down, block some shots here, you know, take a charge here and there, you know, shoot your shots and do what you're supposed to do. See, that's why you need veterans like Tim Hardaway. You know what I mean? It's very it's very important as a young player. To, uh, let me tell y'all who haven't had the fortune of to play in the NBA, veterans are everything. If I'd have had a Tim Hardaway in a locker room to stop me from doing the young player thing, they're like, hey, 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 we don't need all that. We just need you to do A, B, and right. C. And plus, your ass is young anyway, so <laughs> get in line. You right. know what I mean? So. Right. I don't I know we digress. I'm going to get back to the New York-Miami uh, matchup, but that's why veterans and OGs are so important in young players' career because they bring a, 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 a pointed perspective that's almost inarguable, and it just frees your mind of other shit you don't have to worry about because you're getting game from Tim Hardaway, who you probably watched on a commercial. He had his poster up. So I, I want to go – we can go back into Miami-New York, but I just want fans to know that 
that's why we always talk about how important veterans is on the locker room. He talked about right. Keith Askins earlier, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What he would have been able to do to see web for C web, if he was able, you know, around mm-hmm. and now we're seeing, you know what I mean? How just in, and I ain't never played with Tim Hardaway, but he can immediately, Hey, you need to block shots, set screen, take a charge, go sit your ass down, repeat. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> and that's all you, that's yeah. all you need sometimes, but I'll, I'll let you get back into it, Dylan. No, that was great. And I think it's, I mean, a lot of basketball commentary today, they just talk about the on-court fit and, you know, the the plus minus. But I think the the stuff that you hear about who's talking to, to who in the locker room, what are you doing off the court? I, I would think that that stuff is equally, if not more oh. important than, than all the on-court and, stuff. And, and, back and, and, back and, and, to the and, Knicks. And, and, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. get back to the Knicks. But, but I'm going to say this. Analytics has fucked up the game. Mm. Okay. Um, you're talking about uh, plus minus. If you go back and look at Jordan's plus minus, you go back and look at uh, 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 Magic's plus minus, Larry Bird's plus minus, I guarantee you, they plus minuses wasn't like everybody want them to be. Mm-mm. I tell you Mm-mm. this, but they was winners. They was winners. Mm-hmm. All right. They was champions. And, and Michael would tell you this, fuck all that analytics shit when he was playing. Mm-hmm. What counts is W's and L's and at the end of the season, who wins the championship? Who holding up that trophy? Guarantee you that. But they're going to do what they're supposed to do, you know. But it's about uh, playing the, right, the game right. I see people, you got a shot right here at the free throw line. You're going to step back three shots, uh, three steps mm-hmm. to shoot a three. That's not basketball, man. That's not basketball. So, yeah, go, go ahead. I think it tells a part of the story, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fraction. Back to the back to the Knicks Heat. Uh, something happens in in Game Five, and I, and just from you know a younger person's perspective, it, it was amazing reading about this. In Game Five, uh, Charlie Ward and PJ Brown get tangled up at the free throw line. It seems like you know kind of like a WWE move. PJ Brown flips Charlie Ward over. It results in a brawl. Uh, this is Game Five. You're down three one. You end up winning that game, and the NBA decides to suspend five Knicks players and one Heat player. You can't suspend all five players uh, right away because then the Knicks wouldn't be eligible. You need to divide it up alphabetically so they could do do the suspension. Uh, when you hear that news and you see guys like you know Patrick Ewing's going to be suspended for Game Six and Larry Johnson's going to be suspended for Game Seven and Allen Houston, like you know, was that a surprise? I think it's kind of funny when you look back at it and like PJ Brown said no. was the one that flipped. <laughs> was the one that flipped Charlie Ward, but then five Knicks players get suspended and only one Heat player gets suspended. Uh, what would, I mean, that that had to have, and we'll get to your game seven performance, which, you know, suspensions aside, uh, was one of the best game seven performances in NBA history. But with those suspensions, like, what what, what is your initial reaction when you hear it? Is it like, yep, all right, they deserve it? Or, or what, what, what happened there? Before the season, it was a memo that the general managers had to come out and read from the NBA. If there's an altercation on the floor, who's ever on the bench cannot step out on the floor and help. Mm -hmm. All right. Then they reiterated two or three times during the season. Then they reiterated right before you go and play in the playoffs. Okay. I was the culprit in telling who was went out on the floor. I shot the free throw. 
All right, we was down. Game was over with. PJ said that he undercut him. PJ, so it's, I don't know who was right there. PJ was in the middle, and Charlie wore, you know, how they line up three and then two on the side. There was, it, there was no sense of you to even try to box him out. The game was over with. Don't even box him out. Let it go. We wasn't going to win. But he said, PJ said he tried to do a football move and undercut him and whatever, and PJ picked him up and threw him, and then they came out. None of our guys came out on the floor. All they guys came out on the floor. Mm-hmm. You got to read the memo or hear the memo. They didn't want to oblige by the memo. That wasn't our fault. That was their fault. So, yeah, I told on them. It was me. I told the I said the league, yeah, this guy was came off the bench. That guy came off the bench and this and that and this and that. Hey, 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 we gotta win, baby. We gotta win. Yeah. We gotta what you win. mean? I'm t- I'm telling I'm too, telling. OG. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You can take it how you want to take it. But you the memo said don't come on the floor. Hey, you can't help it that y'all was disciplined and read right. the memo and yeah, from top to from top to bottom, everybody was on the same page. Exactly. They didn't have it together over there. They so that's part it. of professionalism. Yep. So <laughs> yep. yeah. It, it, it's it's happened a f- it's happened a few times. It happened with the uh Suns and the Spurs yep. where uh, Stoudemire mm-hmm. got suspended. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Gotta read the fine print. You gotta read the fine uh, print. Yes. Yep. So then, uh, so you win game six, game seven is in Miami. And I'm going to tell you this, up, I, I'm going to sh- tell you this, game six, ooh, we, ooh, mm-hmm. we, it was funky up in there, in the garden, mm-hmm. oh my God, ooh, you talking to, ooh, it, I never heard it like that in the garden before, I couldn't, if me and you was talking in front of each other, I couldn't even hear you, I had to read your lips. That's how loud yeah. it was. But it was yeah. it was a great atmosphere. We went in a great atmosphere and won. <laughs> so here, back and then, then you're going back then, you know, the three point was shorter. It was yep. it was it wasn't college, it was uh European three point. They experimented mm-hmm. with that. And Zoe made a couple of threes right there. We like, no, Zoe. He shot the ball. It's like, what y'all talking about? I can make that. We was like, okay. <laughs> top of the key, yeah. Top of the key. Top of the key, right, yeah. Because yeah. he had that. He was yeah. money at fifteen yeah. from top yeah, of the key. No, so if he could just, three. yeah, it was a three. Yeah, yeah. But I remember he was top of the key. Yeah. I remember Zoe yeah. from fifteen straight oh, on straight was money. money. So, so, if he, so he was so ex- couple of feet yeah. back. That's two feet back. He made. Yep. And we won that yep. game there. And then yeah, game seven was game seven. And you was destroying. Well, I mean, you, you're not going to say it, but that's got to be one of the. I'm sure when you oh no question see highlights of that, you you probably still get the chills. No question. One mm-hmm. of the one of the just you 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 hear. I mean, you you hear people today talk about Steph Curry like taking over a game in four minutes and flipping a game on its head. But I mean, one after the other, I don't think you hit the rim that game. Mm-hmm. It was net, net, net. Uh, what what do you most I mean what 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 do you think about when you hear people talk about that or are you just you know do you sometimes daydream? I remember that game. The of the day game. I remember that game like it was yesterday. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I remember me making shots, but I remember the timeout. Zoe had his fourth foul early in the third quarter, and just the first time I ever seen Pat Riley not say a word in a um in a, in a timeout. He didn't say mm-hmm. not one word. So I had to, um, I said, you know what? And I looked down the bench, and everybody had a little, uh, not dazed, but they was puzzled. What are we going to do? 
you know, they, they, they didn't, they didn't know what to do. I said, you know what? Don't worry about it. I got it. You know, I just went back to my, what I know, what I can do back in the streets of Chicago. I'm just going to take mm-hmm. over. Like I normally take over and, you know, back in the summer league or whatever, this just going to be a summer league game to me. And that's what it was. I went out there, started making shots after shots after shots. My teammates started following me, playing defense, rebound the ball. We was, we was make everybody's making Sean, PJ, uh, Mashburn. So I, I just took the lead and I said, Hey, you know, I, I, I leader, he, he, our leader on the bench is not saying anything. So I had to help the guys on the court and I had to be the leader that I know I could be and just take it to another level. Confidence. That's, that's all. that injection of confidence that you talked about earlier with like what, you know, that's that coming out of shy, mm-hmm. not really no time for no bullshit. No. We're going to go out here and hoop, no feelings. If he might be a little shit. Okay. I see what's going on here. I got this, I, I, but I know how I think I, I can gather how to fix this. If I'm Tim Hardaway and I know what I can do with my skill set, like if that's what we are, okay, I'm going to at least go out here and do this till y'all figure it out. Right. And then when playing, playing in the league, once you see your superstar, going out of his body a little bit, it behooves you to set a better screen, to right. run a little faster up the court, to right. run back on defense, right. to make sure, you know what I mean, you ready if he needs an outlet or he needs yeah. he needs you to knock down a shot. So uh, just speaking as a teammate and watching some of the people black out from Kobe to Vince Carter's and all the people I played with, like when the star goes like that, you got to go with them. And it might not necessarily mm-hmm. be points, but it could be rebounds, screens, energy, IQ, being in the right spot. So yeah. I, that's the point. That's the perspective I can speak from as a role player. Yeah. You know, when, 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 the, when the, you know, the top-notch Hall of Famer starts blacking out, that everybody tends to rise. And the coach don't really even got to do nothing. No, he wasn't It ain't really about job. X and O's. No, we it, know the calls. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, and, and when you start doing it, you start seeing the Knicks. They was they was kind of like a deer in headlights. They mm-hmm. eyes was like, oh shit, what oh, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna stop this? He just playing by himself, basically, you know. So and 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 I was in this groove where, you know, uh, and I've been in grooves like that in practice, and Pappy like, damn. I'm like, yeah, I, I get in grooves <laughs> like this, you know. It, it I get real quick, you know, and mm-hmm. I got in that groove real quick because I wanted to win. I, my my whole objective was to go play at home in front of my family and friends in the Eastern Conference Finals against mm-hmm. the Bulls. That's all I mm-hmm. wanted to do, and and, and mm-hmm. let it go from there. And um, yeah, that's that. I, man, that's all I was thinking. Well, you, you did that. Very near, yeah, <laughs> you 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 did that. The one problem is the Bulls were what on seven days rest. They had right. played the Bullets and the Hawks in the previous two rounds. You had just basically went through a war with the New York Knicks. Nope. Seven games, West. you get you, you get one day off, and then you're off to Chicago. I'm curious, like you win that game seven, you have the series of your life. You have one day off, which is probably a travel day, and then you got to play the Bulls. You know, physically, it's impossible to prepare for a series and reset in one day, especially when it's one of the greatest teams of all time and probably the greatest player of all time. So you're excited to go back to Chicago. But what is that? What is that mindset like when you have the game of your your life and then you got to turn around in less than 48 hours and go to an even bigger stage against an even better team and, and all that's happening in your home city in front of all your family. I'm going to tell you this. We had them. 
we had them. Mm. Mm. In the first half, we had them. They didn't know what to do. We was picking mm-hmm. and rolling their ass to death. Jordan, Scotty, they couldn't get over the pick. Uh, Harper couldn't get over the pick. We was going to the basket. I was making plays. I was getting people wide open. They was making shots. We had them. And what we did that they wanted us to do, because they guard this better than they could guard our pick and roll, high pick and roll, mm-hmm. we started going down low and started going to zone. That's and right up the alley. That's right up the alley. That's right up the alley. You know, we going to trap zone. We going to be long mm-hmm. as fuck. And you're going to have to pass it out. And once we pass it out, if it gets deflected, we got four seconds. We got three seconds. All right. So that's we played in into their hands. If we would have just stayed that game plan and then beat them that first game and then come back and go to Zoe that second game, Mm-hmm. See, you got to be one step ahead of them. Mm-hmm. You got to, mm-hmm. you got, you got to make them start guessing or second guessing themselves. Once mm-hmm. they, because they, they, they knew what they had. They knew what they could do. Mm-hmm. And they know PJ knows weaknesses to it. His teams traditionally do not do well with pick and roll exactly. teams. Teams, yep. We <laughs> was up or we was down one. They, I, I, I had a, a guy on the team tell me, man, Jordan in the locker room cussing people out. Cussing Phil out. What we going to do? Picking rolls. We got to change mm-hmm. this up, change that up. And then we play right into their hands. I'm not saying that, <coughs> excuse me, you, you can't go to Zoe. I'm just mm-hmm. saying you can't play in their hands. That was what they wanted to see. That's what they wanted mm-hmm. to do. And they had that lined up. The pick and roll, they, they was all confused. So always they was I mean they was all confused. But see, see like like John Stockton, you gotta have somebody else run a pick and roll. You gotta have somebody else come and and and, 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 and is a, a threat to go to the hole and make something at the rim. They knew that John mm-hmm. wasn't gonna shoot at the rim. All right. They knew that I was. So they had to collapse and I get out to people and make plays. Mm-hmm. And and and, and that, if they if they know your game plan. And they know what you're doing. They, they, it's over. It's over with. But they, they, and he good at that. He good at, he that. Good at that, man. He good at once he what? once you you got to make him adjust. Right. Once he feels like you're trying to pre-adjust. Oh, got you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you if he goes off schedule, got Michael Jordan figuring out. Well, this ain't in the game plan. This ain't what we talked about. You know what I mean? We can't right. even. He ain't even. Sometimes Tim wasn't even probably getting the pick and rolls. He was just getting motion and getting into action. Right. Like that, I have him nervous. Right now, he's talking to the assistants. He's talking right. to Mike and Scotty. Scotty, right. I need you to do the thing, right. man. You know, right. do the Scotty Pippen thing. Right. But if you just try to adjust or like, nah, we're gonna play our game. That's what he. That's what he waits for you. Right. All. Nah, we're gonna play our game. And yada, nah, 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 nah. That's what he's counting on. Exactly. That's how, That's his little Zen master. His years of experience of yep. basketball game. So I just want you know I played for PJ. I know we suffered in the pick and roll. I know he was he was inviting that ball to go down into yes, the post. Yes, during them times. He loved it. So you know, what I mean? yep. yep. What's what was your relationship with Mike like? Because you said you used to play pickup with him. Obviously, you're from Chicago. He he he's he's 
you know, Mr. Chicago Bull. What, what's your relationship like with MJ? Are you talking to him? Does he talk to you? Are you not talking to him? We'll, we'll paint that picture for us. I see him during the summer. We play pickup games. You know, we hang out, we kick it, play ball against one another and work out and stuff like that with Tim Grover. But other than that, um, during the season, you know, no, nah, it was no relationship or nothing like that. I see him during the summer, and that was about it. Um, but, you know, a lot of people, uh, I know he's a cool guy, you know. Um, he always been cool with me. I always hear cool things about him. I always hear cool things from his teammates that, you know, how he took care of them and, and mm-hmm. made sure they was right uh, with whatever they needed, advice on whatever. So, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he's a one guy to me. Well, we appreciate your time. I know it's gone a little bit over. We're going to get out of here quickly, let me, but let me, la- let me last say this. question. Let me, let me say this. Before yeah, yeah, please. Out, I'm going to say this. You know, a lot of people uh, 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 think Allen Iverson and, and myself are uh, uh, like bumping heads. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, did um, you see the did you see the video that came out yesterday? Yeah, I saw right that. Right I, I, yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched it. it uh, they made it seem like it was like a a, a, a deep seated hatred. Yeah, but it's I, not. I, like it, it's not. Me and Allen Iverson have love for one another. Um, of course. Um, we had love love for one another ever since day one. Um, of course. You know, I'm gonna tell you this. Uh, we talk about crossovers and who had the better crossover and who who's best in this. Now I'm gonna tell you this. We both in the Hall of Fame. We both had great careers in the NBA. We was chasing after that ring. We both didn't get the ring. Um, he's right. He should be in Philadelphia, uh, 76ers, some form of way as something in the organization. Um, I think Allen Iverson in his later years with Detroit and with Denver got a bad rap. I was there for one of those years in Denver for partially a year. He definitely did. He didn't age gracefully into the night like they wanted to. But when you put a person on such a big pedestal, culturally and figuratively, just considered in the NBA, you know what I mean? You would think there's been players who have allowed to gracefully transition out of the limelight while still maintaining a starting position. He should have been one of them. You know, he should have been one of them. I'm going to tell you this, Larry Brown, one of the greatest coaches in basketball history understood what he needed to do with Allen Iverson and how he needed mm-hmm. to play Allen Iverson. Other coaches didn't know how to. Mm-hmm. So that that shows you how brilliant Larry Brown's mind was and his basketball mind was. Uh, mm-hmm. So I always got nothing but love for, uh, for uh, Allen Iverson and this stigma that we hate each other or I dislike him or, you know, we talk about the crossover and this and that. Um, people need to get that out of their head. I don't dislike Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson don't don't dislike me. We are good friends. Uh, we got nothing but love for one another. And I wish people would stop thinking that I hate him or he hates me. Mm-hmm. It's not like that at all. I, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Uh, I, I think it's kind of a culture today. Everybody wants to anoint one person, the king of one move or one player, the greatest, but I think the crossover, like many things in basketball, has a storied history, and you are both a key part of that. It doesn't matter, you know. There's not one person that has to who be owns it, the, right. yeah. Who right. owns the crossover? Right. Everybody does it from right. grade school and, now to and, the and, NBA, and, and and what kills me is that ESPN when they put the greatest crossovers on there, they don't put me on there 
because of what happened when I was working with ESPN way back in 2005. Mm. They still uh, tried to get back at me, and I laugh at them. That's why I don't do mm-hmm. nothing for ESPN anymore because they, they, you know, they don't want me to be on none. They, they don't even my son to be the highest score on on Dallas Mavericks. All right, they won't even put his name up there. They won't even show a highlight up on ESPN. Oh, because of the because of you right. thinking they don't yeah. want to see that name yeah. on the ticket. Right? Yeah, all that. So they, they, Damn. you know, and, and and it disgusts me. And they, you know, they always say that. You know, this is Disney, Walt Disney's supposed to give and forget. They haven't never forgive or forgotten me. So, yeah, so I just want to put that out there, too. And I'm I'm glad Pat McAfee is on them about mm-hmm. what's, what's going on with that because they are wrong. I have one last thing for Iverson, and it I saw I was watching highlights. And if you remember, maybe it was the first time you matched up against him. You had him ISO'd on the right wing, <laughs> and front of you were bench. setting up the – you were setting up the two-step, and I know that you knew that he thought you were going to try and cross him over as a statement, and you went through the legs, and then I went left. You stayed left, so you is that you knew that he, that See, he thought you were going to try and cross him over. And that, that that's another thing with us back then. See, we understood how to uh, play games with people that were sticking mm-hmm. up. If you think mm-hmm. I'm going to do this move, no, I'm just going to go straight ahead. I knew what mm-hmm. he thought because this was at the end of the game. This is for game time. And a lot of people didn't know for game time, I put it between my legs or I had it in my left hand and I go left and I step back and shoot a step back jump shot. All right. Or I put it between my legs and go left because I know you want me to cross over and come back mm-hmm. right. So I kept it in my left hand and went all the way and laid it in. See, mm-hmm. I, I, this is the way we grow. We, we, we try to outguess you, outguessing mm-hmm. us. You know, so, so when I saw him um, um, hedge up on me, I was like, oh, I got him. I'm going left. It was wide mm-hmm. open. So, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we play games with each other. Uh, uh, we laugh. He shot it in my face. We laugh. You know, he takes me to the hole. We laugh. I take him down low. He said, he'll be like, oh, you're not going to take me down low. We're going to double team you. I'm like, well, you're going to have to double team me, you know? So it is all fun and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, I have fun playing with him, man. You know, uh, competitor to competitor, you have fun playing with him and, uh, or against a competitor and enjoy yourself. So yeah, I'm, um, um, yeah, I remember that move like it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think I think the small dudes. You know, I, I feel like I, you know there aren't too many guys that were six foot one that were Come able on. to do what you had, like to you, you had to have a crossover. You had to have a crossover. Also, a lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't know. In Chicago, you have to have a move. Back then, you had to have a move because it's a lot of hand checking. A lot it's, of it's hand. Shot Town is known for defense, yeah, defense. You know what I mean? I mean? Yeah. I mean, so like like Isaiah Thomas said, the West Side had defense. The South side had offense. I was on the South side. I knew how to play yeah. defense, but it was all offense. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I just wanted to get my stuff off. So, and then when we played against them, they had to show who was a better defense and we had to show them that we had good offense. So, yeah, I mean, so that's the way it was. And I practiced and dribble, 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 dribble all the time, man. That was my forte. And um, I love just going out there and, and, and just playing and competing each and every night. 
That's a great way to close it. We really appreciate your time, man. Uh, it's always a, a pleasure to talk to somebody like you who paved the way and, and did things that so few players in sports history were, were able to do. So we really appreciate your time. This was great. And uh, hope uh, to work with you again sometime. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate I wanna it. Add, Go ahead. I want to add one thing, man, to the youngsters out there listening to Forgotten Seasons. You know, when we talk about – uh, Tim Hardaway's cultural relevance. Go back and look at the Nike commercials for the Air Raid. He was part of the Spike Lee campaigns. He was a member of the Fun Police. Yeah. He's got classic lines like, I got skills. Yes, I got skills. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got skills in, in class. And this, yeah. these are all things from my 12-year-old, 13-year-old mind. I had an opportunity to play in the NBA and bump against legends like you know Tim Hardaway and everybody that I had on my wall and you got to remember when you coming up in in the in the 90s it wasn't a position thing like I knew I was tall and supposed to play like David Robinson but I wanted to do that I wanted to do tap two step you know what I mean I wanted the big dudes want Allen I, I want to move like Penny so I just want to I, I, I just want to really put an emphasis on the younger players, fans of basketball, to really go back and look at Tim Hardaway's contributions to the game on and off the court, and you'll understand Allen Iverson's, the Vince Carter's, and how the NBA got into the hip-hop and how, you know, Michael Jordan showed us, you know, the NBA a little bit, but, you know, without the Tim Hardaway's of the world, run TMC's and the cultural things that happen, we don't really start to learn just how black the NBA is, for real, for real. We had an idea. Magic came in with a suit. Uh, Mike came in with a suit. You know what, you know what I mean? The, the, Tim Hardaway started showing up in commercials and stuff with cutoffs and a chain here. And he was wearing his sweats a little differently. And he had he was talking like, I got uncles from Chi-Town. He sounded like my uncle from Chi-Town. But he was out, you know what I mean? But he was out there killing so my hats off to you, OG. Uh, you, this man. has been an absolute pleasure Appreciate as a fan, as a, as a member of the association. Um, we're doing a lot content-wise. If you know you you don't want to do nothing on the ESPN slate, but you still want to have a voice, we would love to have you. You know, contributing somehow. And as a member of of you know the association, and as a fan and historian basketball, we just want to give you your flowers, and we really appreciate your time. And like I said, for fans, if you don't know about Tim Hardaway, Google him. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you all, and thanks for having me. And um, hey, man, just let me know. I'm in. Just let me know. For sure. For sure. Yes, sir. Thank you. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.